Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Thanks for listening to the latest Football Digest podcast, available on all major podcast platforms. Subscribe now through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, or wherever you get your podcasts from, so you don't miss a single episode. It's Football Digest Extra Time. I'm Guy Clark. Welcome along as we bring you reactions to a wonderful weekend of action across the Premier League. Mohamed Salah enters the 100 club, but events at Ellen Road overshadowed by the misfortunate injury sustained by Harvey Elliott. Our leads being found out on Saturday, of course, there was debut to remember. Yes, Odson Edward taking just 28 seconds to score his first of a brace for Crystal Palace. And there was another debut of sorts at Old Trafford that took a few headlines as well. We've got a fair bit to get through here to get into all of it. We have the Mirror Sports Features editor Mark Jones and Leeds United's uh, Leeds Lives Leeds United reporter Joe Donahue. Gents, I hope you're both well. And Mark, let's look at sort of events at Ellen Road first up. And from the Liverpool perspective, mentioned there in the intro about Mohamed Salah, landmark afternoon for him. But in the end, the major talking point, that horrible injury picked up by Harvey Elliott. Yes, yeah, it overshadowed everything, didn't it? Unfortunately, um, you know he's he's had such a good start to the season. I think he surprised a lot of people, really, given that that was his third consecutive start um, in the Premier League season, which I think broke a record for the youngest player to do that for Liverpool. So, and even I think pretty much every game. I mean, I was I was at the Burnley game to so the first one of this little run, and he was a surprise name on the team sheet that day. He was a surprise name on the team sheet against Chelsea the next game. And then even again yesterday where you thought, OK, after the internationals, players have come back. Um, but he didn't look out of place, did he? he? He really sort of helped Liverpool tick in that first half and was very heavily involved in what was a very, you know, kind of like dominant attacking uh, display for, for a while of that game. And then and then that happened. And it's, it's just such a shame and it's such a, you know, one of the real sort of cruelties of football, really. But um, we can only hope that he, he uh, gets better and is back soon. Yeah, we all wish him a speedy recovery, of course. Joe, you were at Ellen Road in, obviously, your Leeds Live capacity watching the game. The first 60 minutes of the game, it was enthralling. It was end-to-end. It was high tempo. Liverpool were dominating a fair bit of it and there was plenty of shots at the end of, of moves as well. But as soon as the injury happened, of course, the whole tempo and mood of the afternoon seemed to just completely change. Yeah, it was. Um, it, it became sort of a little bit bad tempered. I think after that, the, the sort of the melee that followed the, um, the 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 injury incident. Um, and I think while I I I doubt, I, I highly doubt there was anything sort of intentional in the in the tackle. I think it's hard to to disagree with the fact that it obviously did endanger Harvey Elliott having seen what what happened uh, you know obviously after the, the tackle was made and the follow through took place um it was it was a really difficult one to see you know Mohamed Salah immediately is is sort of you know he's gesturing to the bench frantically hands go to his head Harvey Elliott's sort of trying to to get up and then sort of realizes that you know that that's just not going to happen and it's it's one of those where I think it's the first time that I've, I've witnessed something like that in a stadium and you know it's 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 a different sort of experience because you know there is just this other human being who's utterly helpless and um the the you know the the medical staff rushing on was 
was absolutely you know it was rapid both both teams doctors were on straight away i think the the response from all the, the medical team and, and the paramedics was was you know absolutely stellar um and uh, i think it was you know a, a credit to, to to the staff at, at ellen road that that they managed to get to get Harvey off to, to hospital as quickly as possible. But the game itself was, yeah, I, I separated it into sort of two 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 sections. Uh, that that first twenty minutes or so, when when it was a quite quite even contest, and then ever, ever since Mohamed Salah scored, it, it became a, a real one way game um, with you know Leeds kind of lost control in those twenty to thirty minutes um, between uh, following the um, following the, the Salah opener and. I think it, it it did look a bit disjointed from from the Leeds point of view, and Liverpool just the muscle memory was activated. They clicked into gear, and it was it it turned into one of those routine Premier League away wins for them, um, which is you know the the sign of 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 you know Premier League contenders against a team who were you know to an extent you know really struggling to to gain a foothold, really struggling to to get out and and create something of their own. Yeah, Mohamed Salah then mark onto a hundred Premier League goals, ninety-eight of them coming for Liverpool. Just me, or is he maybe one of the most underappreciated of those in the one hundred club? He's the thirtieth player to get there, and there have obviously been some true, true greats of the Premier League era. Yet, to me, it, it sometimes feels as though people don't always appreciate quite the quality he is, and there's always a talk around him diving and this, that, and the other, but. He's been absolutely sublime, certainly in the red of Liverpool. Oh, yeah. Um, it's funny. I was actually, you know, you see the, those sort of random Premier League 100 club things, don't you? Like the, the, the game of a player who's got 100 goals. And I was only thinking about it the other day. It'll be on there soon. And I was watching the Heskey one, which is a bit different. But, um, yeah, I think he is, he is underappreciated. He is, you know, he has got his reputation. You could see, I mean, he went down easily early on, didn't he? And the, and the fans, which you're going to do that at Ellen Road, then they're going to rightly, you know, try and sort of, intimidate you get into you entirely it's all part of football it's probably it's what we've all missed for the last year and a half wasn't it um and he's he's not the only one who does these things but i think probably he gets more of a reputation for it than others um probably because when he has done it it may be you know it's more high profile it's it may have led to contentious decisions and things like that but i i I wrote a piece actually preparing for this when he gets his hundred and i just go back to when liverpool signed him because I thought, well, Sadio Mane has just had a good first season, but he probably needs a backup, someone to help him out, you know, who who can interchange with him and someone who can eat. And oh yeah, that lad he played for Chelsea, you know, and 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 that was kind of what it was. And and I know he'd had a good couple of years at Roma, but you weren't expecting what he did. And it was really kind of only a, maybe a third into that first season of his when he just kicked on. And he gets 44 goals in, in, in his first season in all, in all competitions. And he, it's just, he's got this style about him. that I think, I think one of the reasons why he is underrated is he's got a style about him that can sometimes look a little bit, you know, not as silky as some of the other players. And mm. I think the same for Manny as well, actually, funnily enough. And it, they they both miss a lot of chances, don't they? Yeah. Yeah. And it's probably why, you know, maybe to your average fan, you know, they, they enjoy watching Man City play because they have more silky players. Whereas Liverpool's players will just run through you, and 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 Salah, he, he can be a force of nature, really. And um, he, yeah, I mean, I've, in terms of his future as well, I mean, I think he's probably missed that boat in terms of a potential move to Real Madrid or Barcelona. I know there's contracts sort of negotiations still going on, but I, I kind of expect him to sign one pretty soon, um, and he'll and he'll go on and, and get even more goals. 
Have we seen a, a forward of his like Joe in the Premier League since? To me, Thierry Henry always kind of springs to mind. Someone who, who scores and creates. But as I say, Thierry Henry was absolutely adored and by everyone across the game and the impact he had. As I say, for me, I, I don't know if Salah quite has that appeal for everyone else, quite like Henri did, albeit I certainly think he should do. I think he's been absolutely wonderful in the Premier League. I mean, I think Man United fans might disagree with you on the on the Henri stance there. But um, yeah, I think Premier League wide, you know, he, I can understand why he does get a, a bit of stick. And, you know, what Mark was saying there about the first few minutes where he went down quite easily, the crowd did immediately sort of jump on it. And I think that sort of is the immediate reaction. You know, you think, oh, Mo Salah, oh, he dives a lot. He tries to win contentious decisions. It is something which is, you know, a facet that, that has become apparent, but it's one of those where it's it's become sort of a runaway train in, in the discourse surrounding him. I think it's important to not get lost in the fact that he's a player who's, you know, clearly exceptional, who, first of all, has to get into those positions to actually, you know, earn those decisions. And one of the things that really struck me yesterday was the fact that he was just so wily, so, so strong, so, un, you know, you couldn't move him. Junior Furpo had a torrid time. There were occasions where, you know, the balls were played over the top and you thought, oh, well, this one's going to be, run, you know, run out of play or he's going to be caught down sort of an alleyway here. But he managed to wriggle his way out and that happened a few times. And Junior Furpo's not a not a defender who, you know, isn't strong or, you know, can't hold his own. But it was just the the, the palming off. It was, it was you know, it was, it was expert from Salah. Um I think in terms of whether he's universally regarded as a, as, a, as a fantastic player, I think deep down everybody absolutely recognises that you know he is comfortably one of, if not the best, you know, the, one of the best attackers in the Premier League at the moment. You know, contemporaneously, I wouldn't say there is anyone on Thierry Henry's level, but I think that Salah, in terms of the the creativity, the, the you know the goal scoring, he definitely comes close. Yeah, definitely. That, that's what I mean. I, I don't know if he's quite ranked level alongside him as much as maybe if, if you look at the pure numbers and what he does, maybe what he should be and maybe there is a, a bit of perception around it. Joe, I'll come back to you regarding Leeds then. There was a huge chance for Rodrigo, first mm. chance of the game, really put it straight at Alison Becker. But and now looking at the Premier League, four games into the season, two draws and two defeats for Leeds United. It begs the question that everybody, it feels, is so eager to always throw out have Leeds found been found out is Marcelo Bielsa really all lit type thing my, my sort of point of view is we're only four games into the season but the questions are being asked yeah and questions will be asked I think that's a, a that's an occupational hazard of not having won any of your opening four games isn't it um, you know you look at the teams that are down in the sort of the bottom three or four with Leeds and you know they are the teams that you would have expected to have been down there at the beginning of the season so uh, and on the flip side the teams who are in the top four you'd expect to finish in those positions so the table the table is already taking shape but I think there'll be plenty of variance um, one of the things I was thinking last night after the game was the fact that the, the four games that Leeds have played last season Season, uh, the only one of those fixtures that they won uh, was was Burnley away, um, and that was a completely different kettle of fish altogether. With it being the the time of the season, Burnley effectively being safe by that point, um, or they might have already been safe, uh, and and Leeds not really having anything to play for, so could play with freedom. Um, I think the you know Manchester United at Old Trafford, it's, just, it's a very very difficult game. Um, the Everton at home. I mean, Everton are, are a different. You know, they're they're a different team under Rafa Benitez. Um, they were they were difficult to, to to play against. And and Liverpool at home. You know, that's that's a game which you don't go into that thinking. 
uh, well, we might get three points here. It's it's a case of you take a point before kickoff, uh, but you you prepare for the worst. Um, I think th- there's a run of fixtures now which are, which are coming up, which will be the real acid test of whether this Leeds team have been. I don't really like the term "found out" because I think that, that with Bielsa and his staff, you know, seeing it close quarters, the fact that they completely mixed up their preseason regime to keep it fresh, to keep it. Uh, to keep the players on their toes means that it is, you know, that the preparation has been completely different. The team are, you know, trying new things. They're trying to be innovative. Um, so I wouldn't say that it's that they've been found out, but maybe that they've been sort of lacking in a few areas. And with with the Bielsa system, it, you know, it's, it's kind of like the links in a chain so that if one player falters or one player is is perhaps a little bit of a weak link, the rest of the chain sort of starts to buckle under the pressure. And I think yesterday we saw that with, with Joe Matip, you know, the, the amount of runs that he made from defence and he just either wasn't tracked or he, he wasn't sort of, you know, hassled on the ball, which allowed him to then join the midfield and join the forward line, which which then caused Leeds problems. And if you're in a man marking system like Leeds and Matip is steaming towards you, you've got to ask yourself the question, you know, do I engage the ball carrier? Do I stay with the man I've been tasked with with marking and then potentially, you know, look a bit foolish when he gets slotted in behind me? It's, you know, it, it asks those questions. And I think that the fixtures that are coming up will, will definitely show uh, whether whether Leeds are, are going to consolidate their sort of mid-table finish or whether they're going to struggle. Yeah, next seven fixtures until the return from the November international break. Leeds don't play one of the top six, as it were. Let's move away from Sunday's action then and get into Saturday's. Mention obviously Leeds there not playing a side in the top six. And Mark Arsenal off the, the foot of the table, a one-goal win over Norwich City. Cristiano Ronaldo with two goals on his return to Old Trafford. And Crystal Palace putting three past Tottenham. Of those, I'll, I'll let you take your pick on, on where you want to go. Um, I have to say sorry to Cristiano and I'm going to go for Palace because I thought that was um, really impressive what they did in the end. I thought they, obviously, they, you know, they're playing against 10 men, but there, there was a you know possibility of that game would sort of peter out and and for them to really, because we, we, we know what, what Southwest Park can be like and and it was that kind of times 10 and, and they they really sort of ramped it up in that in those closing stages. They, I mean, Zahar is someone who, he obviously gets you off off your seat, but he he works himself up, doesn't he? At times, and and he he did that really. He he, he sort of got it, it almost took it took it by the, by the scruff of the neck at the start of the second half, and and was basically saying, right, I'm going to win this, or I'm going to get angry trying to do so, and 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 it happened. You know, he, he obviously uh, the, the red card happens, and then and then they they just blow them away in that final 15 minutes, and and Spurs. Spurs were awful, let's be honest, but they, they, uh, I think there's obviously, you know, mitigating circumstances in, in, in the way they were the most affected by the Argentina issue and, and they had injuries as well. And, and then Eric Dyer goes off early on. I really thought that, um, that moment where, where Larice rolled out Dyer, that really set the tone for their day. And it's like, you don't, you don't do that in a game like this, you know? And you've got the fans who are just baying for blood. And something like that in a game where they really want to get stuck in. He um he could really just you know Benteke, you know what you're going to get from Benteke, and it's not always the most exciting thing in the world to look at, is it? So if someone like him can slot in, and, and you know, I mean you'd expect, like, I mean Benteke was the only person who wasn't happy with what with what went on there. But um yeah, you'd like to see him now, you know, kind of get better into that side, and they've got a really 
exciting side potentially there. And and all the kind of preseason doom predictions for Vieira are looking at silly now. Yeah, I think I think Edward might be a hot take and a bold shout to say after just a, a brief cameo and he got two goals. But I think he could prove to be there's a, a bit of misplaced snobbery about maybe recruits from the Scottish League. Look at John McGinn, what he came in and done. Or even if you throw back to a few Celtic old boys in Virgil van Dijk and either Victor Wanyama, they were all talked about for a good while of coming down and nobody really wanted to take the punt. Eventually they did. And it, certainly in those examples, they've all paid off well and maybe he might be the next cab off the rank. Joe, you've pulled the short straw then. You're going to have to talk about Cristiano Ronaldo, which with your, your Leeds persuasion, I don't think will go down too well. But we spoke about great forwards in the Premier League era and I suppose his career now going to be bookended of the winger who burst on the scene at Manchester United and now the old veteran who is quite literally there to stick it in from three yards out. Can I not discuss uh, Xavi Manquillo's 90-yard run instead? Because I think that was, <laughs> that was that was the highlight of the game from my perspective. But um, yeah, it, it was. I mean, we we all knew the the you know the the, the furore that was going to be made about that that game, and and obviously with with Freddie Woodman kind of spilling that into into Ronaldo's path uh, in the first few minutes. That was, I mean, it was it was everything that every supporter of any club that wasn't Manchester United didn't want to happen, um, but. I mean, it's you know obviously it, it raises the, the the profile of the league even further um, with 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 Ronaldo being back in in the division. Um, I think from a personal perspective, I think you know that this it, it it does perhaps complicate those attacking options a little bit for for Manchester United. But obviously, we saw they acted quickly in moving Dan James out the door, which obviously Leeds have have benefited from um, signing him for for twenty five million. But I think. You know, the, it, it'll be interesting to see whether he is, you know, to, on the on the same same level as as that. Perhaps I, th- I think he perhaps could be at a, at a performance level which is higher than the one which which he left the Premier League with. You know, I think that that speaks to you know the the regime that he's he's put himself under over the past few years. But um, yeah, I think uh, you know it, it kind of showed that he he sort of picked up where he'd left off with with Juventus and Real Madrid and and while Newcastle is not quite the test that um it might have been for for other teams uh, for for Manchester United sorry um I, th- I think I'm going to reserve judgment just a little bit until we see him against the likes of your, your Chelsea's, your Liverpool's, your Manchester City's. Whether it whether it all clicks into place, um, but yeah, I think you know it's it, it's one of those one of those signings where he's he's very very highly likely to to be uh, to be successful on the pitch. Yeah, and final point just before we go on the, the other side of that game, a returning hero serenaded by the Shretford end then in Cristiano Ronaldo, Joe, but the away end heckling another returning hero to Old Trafford in, in Steve Bruce. It feels as though it's going to be a very long, arduous season for Newcastle United and probably if rather than, sorry, when rather than if Steve Bruce, Bruce is eventually relieved of his duties. Well, I think it's it's it would be quite interesting to see whether he will be relieved of his duties before the summer because uh, we've seen this with Newcastle before. You know, this these kind of the uh, you know rumblings of discontent can 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 you know roll on for quite quite a while. And you know, the fan base has not been has not been happy with with Steve Bruce for for an extended period. Obviously, that's a a byproduct of his appointment by by Mike Ashley, who's obviously a, a much maligned owner, and and the regime is one which has been sort of. Um, 
you know, castigated by, by, you know, all corners of, of the football, you know, journalism industry. But, um, you know, it's, I feel as though with Steve Bruce, you know, the, he, he's currently managing a club whose, whose ambition is to remain stagnant. It's to, it's to exist rather than to, to compete. And, um, I think that's, you know, for the time being, as long as Steve Bruce can keep uh, Newcastle a Premier League club, then he's he's fulfilling the brief that has been set out to him by his employers, which obviously is not what fans who pay their hard-earned money to, to go and watch the team uh, want to see. Um, they also don't want to be, you know, uh, spoken down to in, in, in press conferences and, and, and the like, which is, you know, a, a particular gripe which they've had. Um and I think it's it's one which will rumble on throughout the season. Whether Newcastle end up staying in the bottom three for an extended period, that might force the club's hand, as as we've seen previously with the likes of Steve McLaren. Um, but you know, it, it could be well into the new year. I, I'd suspect before we start seeing any sort of serious you know movement at, at boardroom level to think about the the, the security of, of Bruce's position, because for the time being, you know, it's, if he strings a few wins together. You know, Callum St. Max, um, Callum Wilson, or Alan he's a good player. Callum, Callum St. Max, I mean, yeah. <laughs> um, if they start, if they start stringing a, a few, a few goals and a few, uh, a few wins together, then all of a sudden there's there's no crisis anymore, according to to the powers that be. But um, yeah, I think the fans recognise that there are there are there are deeper issues at, at, at play at Newcastle, and, and I don't think they'll they'll go with with Steve Bruce leaving. Put it that way. No, it feels as though they've been lurching towards this for a good while and actually Steve Bruce has kind of staved it off for a couple of seasons. But if he's got a third campaign of keeping them up in him, I will be very surprised indeed. That's all we've time for here on this edition of Football Digest Extra Time. Looking back on the weekend's action, my thanks goes to Mark Jones and Joe Donoghue here on Football Digest. Don't forget you can subscribe to not miss an episode, of course, our weekly episodes, Monday to Friday, daily podcasts for you. But as I say, from us here on on Extra Time. It's bye for now.